This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome back to the MQ1 podcast, your audio hub for everything, Milton, Keynes, Dons. Well, Joe, we had a week off last week just due to obviously stuff getting in the way, life getting in the way. We're back this week and what a week to miss. Um, a lot of movement in MK1, hasn't there? A lot of movement. Yeah, it's... um. Outs and ins. Um, there's been a couple of games in between, which uh, I mean, we're probably not even going to get time to talk too much about the games in between. But yeah, plenty going on and plenty to talk about. I mean, yeah, I mean, with the games, is there any point really? I mean, with those that have missed it, by the way, um, Graham Alexander uh, is no longer the manager of Milton Keynes Dons. Um, he has been, well, it's a plot of putting it relieved of his duties, uh, sacked, resigned, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he's not part of the club anymore. Um, that was following a, a 2-2 draw result against Barrow at home at the weekend where uh, the Dons were 2-0 up at half-time thanks to Max Dean double and managed to concede two goals in the space of two and a bit minutes in the and time of the second half to uh, drop two pretty valuable points, to be fair, and what would have been a... Probably would have kept him his job, to be fair, if he won that game, so... Yeah, since then, um, of course, you know, Alexander has left the club and a new manager has come in, which we'll go into very later on in Mike Williamson. And we've got a, got a special guest coming on um, in HD Football, who has done a lot of analysis um, via social media on Mike Williamson's Gateshead team, who previously managed. He's going to give us a bit of insight into what we can expect from Mike Williamson, MK Don's side, potentially, uh, and how we can, what we can expect to see from Ackerson moving forward as well on Saturday for that game. So, Joe, Alexander's gone. Obviously, a pretty, I mean, since the end of August, a pretty dismal um, state of affairs, isn't it, really, for, for us as a football club, as, as fans. And I think whether you agree with the decision or not, I think it, I think a sigh of relief has come from a lot of people at the football club. Yeah, I mean, things, it's almost as if all the good luck, which we, all the good fortune we had at the start of the season, you know, we used up a season's worth and, we the football gods just shat on us for the last four games essentially. I mean, you had Harrogate, which was a freak result in in the way that they had three shots and end up winning. We had 30, it was thirty shots to three and they end up winning one nil. You had Walsall, where again we had I think twenty odd shots, um, and we just just none of them go in. Yeah. Um, then you had Gillingham, where you know we 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 haven't spoke about Gillingham on the podcast, but essentially two 
two individual errors that have nothing to do with, well, you know, pretty much nothing to do with Graham Alexander have cost us. Um, and then on Saturday, a 2 0 win, you know, you could argue whether it's comfy or not, but we were getting it over the line. 93rd minute, a soft goal, someone just not marking their man in the middle of the pitch. And um, our heads go. And I mean, you've got to say that 95th minute goal by uh, Emil Akra, I believe his name is. Yeah. It was a hell of a strike. I mean, <laughs> Matt Gillivray didn't even die for it. But it was, yeah, looking in the cow shed, just seeing it dip, I was like, oh no, that 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 is going in, isn't it? And I think it was one of them situations where, you know, okay, I don't think, you know, Graham Alexander maybe set the world alight, but I don't think he'd done too much wrong either. I think a lot of the time he was fighting against the tide in terms of, you know, at the start of the season, we were grinding out results when we had sort of half a squad, so to speak. And then we get the squad together and he's trying to build a team together and the performances weren't there. Then we started to gain some performances and then we just start having just individual, you know, we start actually playing a bit better like at Walsall, um, arguably Harrogate, Sutton. And it's just a, a multitude of individual errors where you kind of shrug your shoulders and think, well, what, what on earth is he meant to do? But I think it was more the situation, the toxicity around the club, from the fans and just there was just a disconnect and the players quite frankly lost their ass and yeah. um, I think just it was more well the easiest thing to do is to change the manager you can't you know we're not in a transfer window you can't sack 20 players so I think it was the only thing that the club really could do however harsh it really it was and however you know six weeks after winning manager of the month and you know I don't necessarily think Graham Alexander done a bad job I just think he didn't have an, he didn't have the time, and I think that a lot of our fans weren't willing to give him the, that that the patience to turn us around. I think, and um, you know, it's an unfortunate situation when anyone has to lose their job. But I think, you know, looking at what the club has since done in the forty eight hours after, I think we can see that there's a clear plan, and it wasn't just a oh we well we've got to do something. Let's just sack him kind of uh, thing. So, yeah, I know I've, I've gone on about quite a few things there, but yeah, it's been quite the couple of weeks really in, at, at Stadium MK. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think if you're looking at it from outside perspective, I think that's been the, the view on social media from a lot of non, non-MK non fans and the fact that, yeah, you, you sacked a manager who literally was manager about two months ago and it feels a bit, um, what's the word, a bit, a bit trigger happy and potentially that, that front, but, Obviously, we've well, all of us. Have, all of us have watched this. I've had the team the past two months, and we've all seen how, as Joe mentioned, a bit, a bit less, sometimes luck. Sometimes it's just been. Kibrexham was actually a pretty decent performance, but still see three goals in that game. There hasn't really been many convincing performances where you're like, oh, okay, we're going to take League Two by a storm and really go on to like do big things in it. And I think the past two months have really shown us that bit like what some of the um twitter the twitter sort of football people were saying the fact that yeah you know like we've we've sort of the xg's caught up on us we're not really scoring many goals and whilst we have been unlucky um as joe said and i think the football's on the manager's head and or the head coach's head in this case and it feels very similar to what um how liam manning was sacked right obviously he's, he's you know, we all know he's a good coach and we all know he could do big things i mean look at oxford this season and i think we all know he do well there but just at a time where it's just not not the time where we need to have a manager who is struggling to get a team together and 
is seemingly worse off with more players than he wants, which is a baffling situation. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was the icing on the cake, the, well, I mean, the almost the assassination of the players after the Barra game. Um, obviously, you can't you can't do that as a, as a head coach, no matter what what club you're at, especially at one that's managed by Pete Winkleman, who is so is so like prior in terms of like relationships and sort of keeping that friendly atmosphere around the club. Um, whether whether it's going to change him or not, you can't do that in a public press conference with all the media there and some national media also. So, yeah, I think he. I think whilst I liked Alexander for certain things and I liked his honesty at times and I liked certain things about him, I think it got to a point, as me and Joe both said, where like I haven't enjoyed watching the team all season really, apart from maybe Wrexham. It's been a pretty tough watch. Um, I think the majority of the fan base feel in the same way. And whether you I think I think that I think the cons outweighed more the pros what Alexander could offer. And me and Joe spoke about it over the week and we said, you know, would you rather be playing Alexander football and potentially finishing, let's say, best rest scenario top 10, where me and Joe predict this finish pre season? Or would you rather have someone like who's a bit more of the MK way, quote unquote, traditional manager who isn't going to guarantee us to do well this season, but could get us playing good football and actually get us scoring goals again with the attacking talent we do have? And whilst the sort of top half table isn't that really unrealistic anymore, um, yeah, you probably, I think you're probably rolling the dice in this situation. And I think um, Liam Sweetie and Pete Wunkerman, etc., have uh, rolled the dice, and I think they've had a pretty good role, to be fair. Yeah, I think um, that's the thing. It's it's kind of like, you know, I don't think that Graham Alexander necessarily did anything wrong. You know, I think it's very similar to the Liam Manning signing, where it was almost like, you know, you're eight games without a win. It's seemingly your luck just isn't going to change. And the easiest, easiest thing for the management to change, as in the, the you know the board of directors and the senior, uh, the board to change is um, it, it is is to sack the manager and unfortunately that, that came down to Graham Alexander and you know I think you could tell he was he's, it wasn't for the want of trying you know he, there were, the team on Saturday there was plenty of changes a few eyebrows raised. You know, big big calls with Warren O'Hara, Warren O'Hara, Mo Issa, and um, who was the other one? Leko, not even in the squad. Yeah. Um, Mo and um, Was were, were on the bench, um, and you know, but it was actually when Warren O'Hara came off the bench. You know, Warren O'Hara, he was one that missed his man for the um, for the first goal, and you know, he just kind of look at things, and it's just. Uh, we, there's just not necessarily been the consistency and I thought after the Walsall game I thought hey you know this is you know this is much more like it I was really impressed with the Walsall game and then the Gillingham game we started really well and then it was just that one mistake and everyone's head just dropped mm. and I actually saw a um, a stat like a, a table um, I think it was Fox Punter on Twitter that posted it. And uh, in terms of like XG for and XG against, so like chances created and chances conceded, um, when the game is nil-nil, I think there's we're, we're the fourth or fifth best team in the league. But once the first goal has been scored, whether that be by us or the opposition, we, well, I think we were like, you know, 18th or 19th or something, you know, right down near the bottom. And I think that just goes to show that our team is so... You know, reactive. We either, you know, panic and drop back because we've got something to hold on to, or we concede and everyone's head heads drop. So, you know, I think a lot of 
you know, I think definitely think Graham Alexander was fighting an uphill battle. And let's not forget, you know, he, he was trying to undo basically two seasons worth of, or well, one season's worth of, you know, absolute hurt and hardship with a lot of the players still there. You know, it wasn't as if we signed, I think we only signed sort of seven or eight, no, it was maybe eight or nine or something senior players. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, you look at that lineup that started on Saturday, you know, you've still got Tucker, um, Tucker Robson and Dean, well, Tucker Robson, Dean, so three of them that started, but on the bench, you know, you had Warren Ahora, you had um, Callum Tripp, you had Matt Dennis. So basically the whole bench was here last season. So out of the squad, you know, over half of the squad was still here last season. So he's he's kind of fighting on two fronts, you know, trying to get, trying to exercise the demons of last year whilst also trying to build something for this season. And I think, yeah, I think it's just a, a, unfortunate circumstances. And I think, it, again, it was an uphill battle, especially when some fans started to turn. Um, so, yeah, I, I, do, I, I don't envy the board having to make that decision, but ultimately I think it was the easiest thing to change. And I guess to their credit, you know, we, we haven't been sat around. You look at, there's Bradford, Gillingham and Tranmere. They've all sacked their managers at least two weeks ago. Yeah. And they're all still sat there sucking their thumbs and no real tangible links. So, you know, Liam Sweeten and Pete Winkleman, it's been decisive. And, you know, I think, I don't think we can criticise their decision too much, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I don't think the... um the club were particularly proud of sacking Graham Alexander at all, to be honest. I think, you know, obviously the, the fans have been calling for it for weeks and I think they've deleted all the social media posts about the sacking um, once they actually announced it. So, yeah, I don't think it was their proudest moment. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right, Joe, in terms of at least they had a bit of, it's got a clear direction where they want to go to and that's back to the more traditional, well, MK way, I suppose, with, with um, the new gaffer coming in and his team who by all means, are quite promising. Obviously, you know, where we are in League 2, I think there's been some some comments about um, Mike Williams' team coming from non-league, which I don't very much into, to be honest. Um, but I I think, before we have our, before we get a special guest on and before we get our own thoughts, I think, I think it's a positive roll of the dice. And I think certain members of the squad are really going to cater well to what Williamson and his team needs. Do I think the whole squad will? No, but... I think the, I think he'll keep the dressing room a lot better than Alexander will because it seemed to be the case of there's a clear mentality of as Joe said nil nil um you you go for games you and if, and then there seems to be a clear clear game plan if you won the leper one nil down and one leper especially for me was super negative and I didn't enjoy it at all um I think you should you should be going for the kill with those sorts of teams go try and get two three nil up let alone try and hold on to one nil lead and think yeah i mean i think it's it's mostly it's fixing the mentality of the players for sure but it's also fixed that dressing room and, and the fans of course who also have really really lost it uh, over these past couple of weeks and, uh, yeah i mean you, you say that though but on saturday and this is goes back to again why i kind of think everything was kind of going against Graham. we we created five i think it was five big chances on saturday and we missed three of them and you you know you think in the 93rd minute as well uh, Max Dean, he's through on goal. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, well, Max Dean, he's running through, has the chance to square it to basically give someone a one-on-one and chooses to, you know, he, okay, he was on a hat-trick. Okay, he played fantastically well. 
However, you know, it's those moments. Yeah, four big chances and three of them were missed. And we created more XG. We had more shots. Um, it, it, shots our XG in open play was nearly double what theirs was. It was just, you know, I mean, what, what more <laughs> can you do in those sorts of situations? You create a situation where your team is creating more chances than the opposition. You should win those games. And um, yeah. I think people have been letting them down. People haven't been taking responsibility. I think you've got a few that have, but that's it, a few. Um but I think it's almost this group of players, I think, by the looks of it anyway, I think maybe what they do need is a, not not a sense of reality and not, you know, because I think Graham Alexander, he's, you know, he wouldn't have stood, he, you know, we saw what he was like in the interview and I think rightly so, a lot of us would be feeling exactly that way. But I just think that that group of players just can't deal with that sort of reality, to be quite honest with you. And I think that's quite apparent. I think that, and one of the big things I think we've learned from just a, a little bit of research into the, Mike Williamson, the new manager, is the fact that, you know, emotionally, I think he's one of them that kind of makes players feel a million dollars. And that's not to say that Graham Alexander wouldn't do that. And all he's doing is trying to make them, you know, just shout at them and stuff. But I think that, you know, maybe, you know, he's a bit younger and all this sort of stuff. Maybe this that could suit some of our players a bit better, um, you know, just, just away from the playing style. So... Um, yeah, I think I think there's that point as well. Yeah, and also not to forget that you know Alexander and Tisdale fall into various category of managers and head coaches, whatever you want to call them, who wouldn't particularly fit the model. Whereas, and I think you've seen like this season, especially like oh yeah, we've been in the lead too, whatever. But I wouldn't say the fandom and flocking to the stadium to watch Alexander football. If anything, they've been steering themselves away and turning back, back, back round the roundabouts. So I think with someone like a, a Mike Williamson and his style of football, or on paper at least, that should, once we start seeing, I mean, after a couple of months, potentially, that should start to see fans come back to the stadium, be excited to watch the club again, which, end of the day, what Pete Winkleman needs, right? Um, He needs fans in the stadium, he needs a team doing well. And again, we'll reiterate this point. We, I don't think you could see the team doing well under Alexander. Like in terms of doing well, I mean, getting into the top seven and actually trying to challenge to get back into League One. Whereas, could you see it potentially more with a a, a Williamson side, potentially? Um, obviously, he needs he's going to need some as as all managers do. He's going to need some backing in the windows. But I think Liam Sweeting and his team are much more catered to recruiting for that style than the Alexander style, which seems to be just sort of. I don't know what it was at some stages, to be honest. But, I mean, one key feature of Mike Williamson's time at Gateshead is, you know, people were saying, oh, Gateshead are only sick. It's not that much of an achievement. They've got one of the like bottom six budgets or something. You know, yeah. they've got one of the smallest budgets. And look, it's not to say, oh, yeah, here we go. I bet Pete's delighted because he doesn't have to get his wallet out. You know, I don't think it's anything like that. But the, let's face the facts in that we've got, maybe the 8th to 10th biggest budget in the league, 8th to 12th maybe biggest budget in the league. That's There's only seven teams that get in the playoffs. So for us to actually get into the playoffs or challenge for the automatic places, we're going to have to overachieve. You know, there's no two ways about it. We're going to have to overachieve to do that. And so it's a matter of, you know, making the most out of the players that you've got. And you, I think one thing that is really excited me about Mike Williamson is the development of players and 
I think, you know, people like Macaulay Langstaff, I think he'd been released from York. He went, excuse me, he went to Gateshead in the National League North. And he wasn't like 18 or 19. I think he was in his like 22 or something like that. He goes and scores 30-odd goals, gets moved to Notts County, and he's scored 50 in 59 games for Notts County so far. And I think it's those sorts of stories where, you know, you can polish a player and, and you know, and let's face it, we know we've got a lot of raw talent in our team. And so I think it's a matter of, you know, if we refine that talent and actually, you know, we on their day, they're good players. Well, if we can have their day a bit more often than we have done, then, you know, we could be in a position where we are able to fight above our weight. Absolutely. And yeah, I think... I think overall, like, I mean, we'll, we'll go to break shortly and just chat about this more depth into Mike Williams, some of our special guests. But I think overall, it's just a positive move for the football club in general. I think it'll bring fans back. It'll bring positive football back. Football that really we all like fell in love watching, to be honest, in terms of Milton Keynes and how we are, no matter what league we're in, League 2, 1, Championship, whatever. And that should bring, or what you'd like to feel, a feel-good factor to it all. And I think I know a lot of the work that Joe and, and Ollie and the rest of the lads have done on Don's action has been trying to get the fans behind the team. And it was quite difficult to do that in Alexander, to say the least. Um, whereas I, you have to feel under Williamson that that's going to get better and the fans will get behind it a bit more. It may struggle until the new year. I'm not going to lie. It's not going to be an easy fix, I'm sure. The players have been trained to play one way all, all summer. And now you've got Williamson coming in, um, despite their previous tendencies to play that way kind of recoach them all but I think you know whilst the next couple of months will be difficult I think we'll see positive football again and I think by the new year we'll see a MK Don's team that you know are probably around mid-table-ish but I really could be like one of those dark horse teams to push up the table and who knows potentially get into those top seven places and get a chance to get back into league one but I think the main thing to take away from this is always that we're getting back to more of what we are as a football club and I think that's that clear identity is what we've been lacking the past six months. And I think it was a bit of a desperation move from Winkleman in particular to try and get back into that League One, which I think we know we desperately need. Um, but, you know, going back to this style for me will suit us much better. Okay, we will take a, a short break and then we'll get our special guest on uh, HC Football to chat more about Mike Williams and his tendencies at Gateshead. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing. But rest assured, you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Um, a bit of special guests on this evening to chat about, but about Mike Williamson. So obviously me and Joe have uh, got our surface knowledge, but we've got a bit more of a person who's investigated his gates, his teams a lot more. Um, and we'd like to welcome on Heath from HD Football onto the podcast. So Heath, how are you? 
No, I'm good. Thanks for having me, lads. And I'm excited to speak about Mike and what I think he can bring to MK. Fantastic. And yeah, I mean, we've seen your all your like sort of research and analysis over social media the past couple of days. And I think we echo the thoughts of um Chris you mentioned, just say thank you to you for all the analysis background you've done on on Mike and his side because it's certainly given us a lot of more of a better background as to Mike and his team and what he's gonna to bring to the club. So if you want to give sort of start off with what what does Mike Williamson bring to MK Dons that Graham Alexander didn't? Yeah, so I was a bit shocked about Graham Alexander, to be honest, because I thought he would be successful. And I'm more shocked that he didn't turn out to be successful. But with Mike, he has a set plan. And whether that's tactically, he knows what he's doing. And he's got an assistant that's so good at that. So it's not just a one-man job. Um, he's very big on the psychological side. So he's very big with the brain and helping that with the players. I spoke to multiple players from Gateshead who have said just how good he is and how like in-depth he is on that. But in terms of what he will bring, he's doing what he's doing now at Gateshead on such a low budget. And before the season, I predict to Gateshead finishing the playoffs purely just based on Mike Williamson. And a lot of people didn't agree, which is fine. But um, it was based on the play style. I've never seen a team play like he sets up in National League. I've, you barely ever see it in League 2, to be honest with you. It's so in-depth and he's just great. And I think with the players um, MK have, he'll definitely get the best out of some that you've maybe not seen the best out of so far. I mean, you led us on purpose to one of, one of the main questions that we had featured from multiple people like um, Jonathan Harries and um, who else we got here? Chris. Um, so who who are some players that you would maybe suggest are going to benefit more from a Williams system than they did in like an Alexander system or even previous systems before that? Because obviously this core group of players have been here for quite a few years now. Yeah, so I always say uh, with Gates, uh, the signings have made, they've all been for the system and they've all settled into the system like seemingly, um, like with no effort whatsoever. Um, and I always think the inverted forwards, so the, he plays his centre forwards in between the goalposts. It's where he always wants them. So that's why Denanka's a top scorer. Um, but behind them, he has, he has people playing in the half spaces. So I think you will see the best out of players like Jack Payne, I mean, I'd love to see Dan come back, but I'm pretty sure it goes up higher than just his football and ability. I'm pretty sure he's, that's not the reason why he's not at MK. Um, but yeah, Dawson Devoy, I think you'll see the best of him and Tomlinson. I think the system Williamson has, he does remind me a bit of Owen Baylor, um, Tomlinson does, in the sense of, I think he'll be brilliant down um, playing wide mid. Interesting mentions oh, just good names. Yeah. Go on, Joe. I was just going to say, just on um, did you have one about players? Because I've got one about play style. So, and I was to say about um, Devoy and Thomas in particular, because I think no, with Dawson in particular, I know there's been a lot of, I think a lot of the particularly sort of newer sort of generation of MK Dons fans are very much raving about Dawson Devoy, and he's got such raw talent, and I think he's a perfect epitome of this MK Dons team and his team of the past couple of years have been like. They've got all the talent in the world, but they just can't seem to execute it on the pitch. And by the sound of things, Williamson could be the guy to really sort of unleash Dawson Devoy and maybe use the likes of Thomas a bit better than the likes of Alexander did. Yeah, for sure. Um, at Gates, he had a player called Camille Conter, who's now at Grimsby. And for me, he's one of the best players in the league at what he does. And he brought a side out of Camille that were raw talent, just like Dawson. And he's sort of 
turned him into a player that's so comfortable on the ball. He knows what his role is and he knows how to play multiple roles. And Mike Williamson's really good at getting the best out of his midfield. So Callum Whelan, he signed, he's been top. Um, Regan Booter, he's been good. So these type of players have been, per- like the midfielders are probably perfect uh, example of what he's trying to do. So yeah, sixes, eights, tens, it just makes them play better than what they maybe would at other clubs. That's perfect. And I think one question I had was more to do with play style. And, um, you know, obviously we've had Russell Martin, who was who had Luke Williams with him, and he they both played the sort of the box formation, the 3-4-2-1. Um, and obviously I think we've seen quite a lot of Luke Williams recently in his Notts, in his Notts County team. So where would you say they maybe differ from the Notts County team or Russell Martin's Swansea? Or, you know, what, what, what differences would you say that Mike Williamson has that makes him so unique? I'd say currently right now, if we're based it compared to Williams and Martin, is the word I'm thinking of is balance. Um, with Martin at the minute, they were conceding goals after goals at Southampton and with Williams are having the same problem. With uh, Williamson, he's finding a very good balance. So how to create a lot of chances, but still be defensive, defensively solid to an extent. It's not perfect, but they're finding a good balance. And I think that's something he's done really well. When they played in the National League North, he didn't play free back, he played far at the back. And they were very much based of Jurgen Klopp sort of style. And now it's more sort of deserved. He's got his inspirations. Um, but in terms of what's different to them, not much in terms of maybe setup, but in terms of the fine lines, the balance is a lot better, in my opinion. And would you say that that comes more from maybe the wing-backs being a bit less gung-ho than they are in a Luke Williams system. I mean, Luke Williams, he plays, you know, five foot four Aaron, Aaron Nemain at wing-back and Jody Jones who are fantastic players, but potentially can leave them a little bit exposed at, at the back. Or is it the centre-backs or is it like the midfielders maybe a little bit deeper? Well, with Gateshead, you'll notice, if you look back, a lot of the time the wing-backs he were using are either cent- sometimes centre-mids or even centre-backs. Um, so the more it's more based on who's comfortable on the ball. It's not the same as not as counted with the man who can burst down the line and cross a good ball in um, for Langstaff. It's not that sort of. I'm not saying they don't cross because they do, but the aim is when they get out wide to try and go back inside. Um, it's what they do really well. They find space when they shouldn't be space. So when the uh, wide mid wing back, uh, whatever role you want to call it, is there, they inverted the inverted winger who plays in the half space is often there and it forms like a partnership and then they start moving in like quick touch football. It's what he got the best out of Gateshead and you can say it's a league lower and you can say it's a different team but in my opinion there's not many managers that would have deployed that system at that level with them players. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because I think under Russell Martin um, we, we had the likes of Ethan Laird and I think under Liam Manning we had Kessler Hayden so it does sound like it's much more, you know, I think so. Would you say the attacking threat is much more, the onus is on sort of the, the number 10s, if you want, behind the striker rather than the wing backs. Yeah, definitely. And um, the two eights just in front of the six do have parts to play to, they know, but they know when they should get forward and when they shouldn't get forward. It's what he's done really well with that Gateshead side. I do think, I don't think it'll be a seamless transition. I do think it'll take time. And whether he's going to go in for the first few games and just ultimately play to win even if it's against his own thing. I can't see him doing that. I think he'll try get across his tactics as quick as possible because they are players that are good players 
and a, a lot of some of the players have probably played a league too low. Um, so I think he'll get that across. And I, I also think maybe MJ Williams will look really good under Mike. Well, he played under Ian Everett in a sort of similar role, didn't he? So, yeah, I think I think that definitely. I think it, MJ Williams is another player that could really um, it could really thrive. Um, I mean, off the pitch, I think um, Liam. I don't know if you saw. I think Tom Williams did an interview with um, Ed, Francis, Ed Francis. Yeah, yeah. And he spoke about the mental side. So, what do you want to, um, Heath? Do you want to elaborate on that? Because I thought that was really interesting and not not something that's often spoke about, really. Yeah. So um, I've had the pleasure of speaking to people close to Mike and in around that camp. And I know they have their own personal person that specialises with the mind. And it's the little things like, I'm told he's really big on getting a psychological advantage. Um, it, even the things that might seem small, like having the, I don't know, the the home sort of um, dugout close to the home fans, stuff like that. He's like really big on just having a little little things that not many people think of. Um, but yeah, it's really big on the mind. And it's been, I think every player that's played under Michael, if you went through them, they'd mention that like football is about ability, but if you're not in the right mind space, you're not going to get the best out of a player. And I think he epitomises that really. And to be honest with you, tactical work, although in my opinion, his team set up really well, a lot of that is to do with his assistant who is often involved with the training, the exercises, and knows exactly what he wants out of the players. Yeah, so I asked you actually about um, Mike Williams' wider team, actually, because obviously I know with um, the previous regime of Alexander and Lucchesi, um, Lucchesi very much focused on the player relationship side of things and managing the actual sort of those, those type of things, whereas Alexander's very much focused on working with Liam Sweeting in terms of direction of the football, where we go. So, yeah, if you could elaborate on um, Williams and his wider team, their sort of individual roles, if you can, that would be fantastic. Yeah, so with Williamson, although he does have a say tactically, which you can expect as a manager, he's not just going to leave it all of it to his assistant. But his assistant does deal with training, I'm pretty sure. And he's got a massive say and he'll speak in depth about tactical meetings. But with Mike, I think what's really good balance is he's been there, he's played at the level, he's played in some top competition, he's played at some big stadiums, and he's got the experience of a professional footballer. As well as being really big on the mind, it can always relate to how a player's maybe feeling or how to improve that player. He knows what he wants. And I think the balance between him and his assistant, I was a bit worried, to be honest, if his assistant did stay at Gateshead, I was thinking maybe it's not as good as it could have been. But now they've both gone, it's just like, I'm, I'm honestly in sort of the mindset of thinking I'd be more shocked if MK wasn't in the playoffs by the end of the season. We were actually just saying if we could get like if we could get top ten ish should be pretty pleased, like basically where we are right now. Um but yeah, if you reckon we'll be in the top seven, then we'll take your hat we'll take you'll bite your hand off that and run away basically, because yeah, that'd be a massive achievement for us based on where we are now. I think we know we've got the players, but it's more just trying to, as you said, get them over the line by the new year in terms of getting them into this new system and out coach with Alexander's sort of ways to play football and into more Williams' style of playing football and yeah, I think it'll take a few months, but I think by the new year, I think me or me and Joe both agree that we'll see a completely different team and hopefully a team that is pushing at the league. Yeah, hopefully. And like I said, I'm that much of a sort of fan of Mike Wilson. I'm in awe sometimes of the stuff he does. Um, MK will definitely be a sort of a team I'm looking out for straight away. 
to get, have to get a half season ticket at Christmas if we're in for a, ch- a chance then or something. Oh, definitely. Um, but like I say, I've, I never normally speak out in depth about managers that go into jobs. And if I do, I sort of keep it sort of like, I don't want to say they're going to be successful and look completely stupid. But I'm honestly, I've been so, so shocked if mm. this doesn't work out. No, we absolutely love to hear it and um, we really appreciate you um, coming to the podcast here, giving your insights and thoughts onto it all. And I'm sure, well, as you mentioned, I'm sure you'll be following the team very closely this season to see how they get on. But yeah, we're all, I think we're all in the same boat hoping that it goes really, really well. And um, yeah, we'll push up the league, basically. Yeah. And if you haven't, um, please check out all of Heath's work on his social media, um, on, on X or Twitter. It's um, at HCFootball01. And there's some brilliant threads and videos on the Mike Williams Gateshead's team and what you can expect from more than likely what's going to be from MK Don's team. So please check it out. We retweeted some of it already. Um, and yeah, feel free to follow him also. Thanks, guys. No worries, Heath. Speak to you soon. Goodbye. Yeah, thanks again to Heath for coming to the podcast. Give us a bit more insight into Mike Williamson and his previous tint at Gateshead. So, Joe, I think after all we've heard from, obviously, obviously our thoughts, um, Heath's thoughts, obviously everyone else's thoughts, which have been pretty, pretty positive, I think um, we should give some like a bit, some few more predictions as some players we feel who, from now to the end of the season, let's say, in sort of early, or sort of end of April, apologies, that we reckon are going to smash it out of the park, get into the starting eleven of um, Mike Williamson's team and really, really thrive. So, I'll let you have first choice if you want and pick your first player. Jack Tucker. Oh. And go would on. you like my reasons or yeah, do you want to just go back up? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think I think it's fair to say, uh, for me, Jack Tucker is our best 1v1 defender. And some of what we've seen with Jack Tucker, like, you know, we saw glimpses last season where he, when he got his head up and actually, you know, went with the ball and, and you know, some of the passes he plays are absolutely sensational. And He's got a big frame. He's a tall lad, and he's so graceful sometimes when he's on the ball. But a lot, and I think it's just more the mental side for me with Jack Tucker because it's just sometimes you just see those moments of almost brain deadness, or he just doubts himself and passes it backwards. And I think, you know, I don't think it'll be instant. That's for sure. But I think by the end of the season, we could be seeing a really, really confident centre back there who is confident on the ball and backs himself, you know, backs himself at all times, almost a la Harry Darling. And I think there's no question, you know, I think defensively Jack Tucker's better than Harry Darling. We've said that last season as well. But I think on the ball, I think, you know, that's where we've seen glimpses from Tucker. But I think actually, you know, actually having the confidence and the wherewithal, I think it will really, it could, could advance him on another level. I like it. I like that shout. A bit more of a left field one, which I think many people have spoken about recently. I'm going to kind of stick to that realm and go um, with Ellis Harrison. Um, I think, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we've spoken a bit about Langstaff in this episode and I feel in in the system that we think Williams did introduce, Ellis Harrison should be the vocal point. Um, I think Leco and Isa will very much play off of him. And that could be very good for him, in my opinion. Obviously, we've seen the Warsaw game, for example, he had 20 million chances to score and 
I think if it was some either a better yeah, a placement. Yeah, couple on Saturday as well. Well, yeah, yeah, true, true, true that. But I think, if, well, speaking of the Warsaw game, if he had either better placement or a, a worse keeper in goal, he probably got a couple of goals in that game. So I just think that we're going to need some physicality up top. And I think obviously Ellis Harrison is the most physical striker we have by quite a bit. Um, yes, he's a bit of a donkey at times for sure. I think he's got a lot of work to do in terms of ball movement and like ball control in general. But in terms of just being a lump up front who could be in the box and really in this Williamson side, I think he could be really, really good. And I think if you get a bunch of playmakers around him, he could finish a lot of chances for sure. Okay, interesting one. I mean, striker, you'd argue, you know, Max Dean as well, he's shown a bit of form recently. So I, I mean, I think it's between Isoleko and Harrison. I think that's for sure. But, you know, even, you know, people like Matt Dennis as well, who, you know, are previously, you know, can play up front for sure. You know, they could be great just playing just off the, the main striker. So, yeah, I, I, I don't mind that idea at all. Um, my second suggestion is going to be Conor Grant. Mm. And I reckon he was going to be one of yours as well. Yeah, you know how much I love Conor Grant. Yeah. Um. Again, we've seen what a clever player he can be. Um, mainly in cup games, granted, but there were games. Oh, sorry, if you pardon the pun. Um, um, but, um, Terrible. Sorry, I'm just laughing at my own joke there. Um, I think that we, we've seen glimpses from him, and I think that there's, you know, again, he's what twenty one or something like that. It's ridiculous, and you know, I'd almost kind of couple Devoy in with him. And I tell you what, it may be even the forgotten man, Dara Burns. Um, I think technically, though, I think those three almost as a trio, they're technically gifted, but we've seen them struggle with, you know, Dara Burns, he, he scores the worldie against Watford in the cup. You've got Conor Grant, who um, I think he, he's had games where he's got like two, two assists and a goal in the cup and stuff like that. And Dawson Devoy, I think, got seven or eight assists last season, but in too many games, he went missing. So all three of those showed flashes last season. And I think all three had the potential to just be more consistent and actually have that belief. And, you know, rather than having a nine and then a four out of 10, you know, just let's just have some eights out of 10 every week and, you know, away we go. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I think it's solid shout. And, you know, we've, you know, you know, with obviously Conor going on young player season last season, the talent is there, much like some of the squad in, in especially in the field and, all it needs is that unlocking, really. And I think, you know, there's a good chance that Williamson is the man to do that for sure. I have a feeling that one of the young lads is going to come through the rest of the season. I just think that with some of the older guys in the squad that potentially aren't going to get as much game time, one of probably a longer, um, looking at this one now, maybe the likes of, maybe class Dara's that group as well, but one of, yeah, like Dennis, a longer, um, maybe Dara, I think one of them is going to come through. Maybe even Phoenix Schultz, if they one of them is going to come through. Even Trip, Trip as well. Yeah, um, maybe trip. it's a bit too young. Um, off the bench. But one of those yeah, lads is going to really come through if he can get some solid game time. Saturday. What was that? Sorry. He didn't look out of place when he came on on Saturday. True. Yeah, I think I just think those those two number eight positions are going to be locked into Devoy and Gilby. Really, I I really can't see many of the other players getting in those two positions. To be honest, um, but. I think one of those young lads is going to come through. I, it's hard to say who right now. I think I think Phoenix Schultz is facing up a battle with Cameron Norman. Brooke and Lunga potentially, depending on when Dan Harvey plays, could be an interesting one. Um, but then you've got Tomlinson playing there potentially, so that's a difficult one. 
obviously Dennis got the probably the toughest competition of the whole league, let alone the, in this squad alone. Um, so maybe maybe Dara is the one that comes through. Who knows? But obviously Dara hasn't played really all season, um, and has obviously had some family bereavements to deal with, um, which is unfortunate. So, but I do feel one of those young lads is going to come through and get some solid game time. I just can't put a finger on who right now. Um, and yeah, I think you know I think. Heath mentioned some of the names that I quite like to go into this as well in terms of like MJ, um, obviously Dawson, and yeah, I think he's 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 strong employed at Max Dean for a long time as well, Heath. So yeah, I think I think there's a definitely a, a sort of a quartet of players who really could do really well in this system. It's just a case of me building around those players and going from there. But was there anyone else, Joe, that you sort of highlighted that you wanted to sort of mention? Yeah, I think you know in terms of. I think Harvey's an interesting one because with with the likes of Tomlinson and Alunga on that, you know, able to play that left wing back role, does that maybe cement Lewington? Uh, cement, sorry, Dan Harvey is the starting left centre back, and maybe what you know, you'd question maybe where does that leave Lewington? Because I think it's fair to say, Bar, well, I mean, he's uh, what he played two or three games at that left centre back role, but against yeah. Warsaw, I thought it was absolutely fantastic there. I mean, Gillingham, I thought he was good until he started being a twat and got himself spent <laughs> off. But that was more of just being one, one of them for an argument and the other one for just skiving down someone after he megged him. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's why we love him, I guess. Um, but I think, um, you know, I think he's got... It, it's like with Jack Tucker. I think they've got... They're decent players anyway, but I think they've got the potential to just really rise above. Absolutely. And I think um, someone like MJ Williams, you know, he could almost turn into the Houghton of this team, couldn't he? And he's done that role before for Ian Everett in a very yeah. similar team. Yeah, yeah. Um, so even though he was a Graham Alexander signing, I think he absolutely suits that way we want to play. Um, you know, Gilby, Gilby, I don't have, you know, does Gilby suit necessarily suit this system? I don't know, because, you know, Gilby actually got promoted playing in... A, you know, a Steve Evans team for Stevenage. So yeah. you do kind of wonder whether whether this sort of style suits someone like Alex Gilby. But I think Alex Gilby's got so much class that I think he'll adapt quite well to it anyway. But um, Yeah, no, yeah, he, he's MJ a perfect... Um, no, he's, I was going to say he's a perfect box-to-box box isn't he, Gilby? So the way that he mm. described the, how the H should be in the system, Gilby should suit that to a T, in, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, it's almost like... I'm almost starting to think of a lot of our players as what they can be and what they have been at times. And it's it's getting me quite excited. So, I mean, I don't know. I'll probably be annoyed at five o'clock, come five o'clock on <laughs> Saturday. But it's what it's what we're what's all about, right? But well, yeah, and yes, to finish off on this, I'm I'm very excited to see what happens to the keeper department. Um, obviously, McGill Ray will be the number one till at least January for sure. But I don't know. I think he get a bit. I think the, the keeper will get a bit funky for sure. I reckon I'll, I'll change it up a little bit in January. Um, because. Nathan Harris obviously long term injury. Kelly's come in. I think he played in the Papa John's. Did all right by the sound of things, but obviously he was recruited under a different manager. So yeah, I think a a younger keeper comes in in January and potentially challenges McGivory for a little spot there. Um, I, I actually saw someone say, "I wonder if Andy Fisher needs a loan." I did see <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember who that was. So sorry, I can't. Uh, I think it was Ken actually. Out. I think it, it was, was Ken. Ken, was it? Yeah, I think oh, it was Ken Murray, yeah. Ken, oh, goodness me. It must be them early morning <laughs> bike rides. <sir. laughs> but, um, 
I think it's more it's one of them difficult ones because you'd imagine that Matt Gilliveray coming on a free transfer peak of his career, dropping down a division, you'd imagine he's on a wedge at the moment. So I think that's more, you know, I think we can, we've seen his goalkeeping ability at times this season. Um, maybe we've not seen, but it could be a Jamie Cummins situation potentially where, you know, we, it's not as if we, we, played this system before and we didn't we didn't do well. You know, Jamie Cummins adopted the system. And even, you know, someone like Sam Slocum last season at Notts County, he was a good goalkeeper first and foremost. And mm. the the playing with the with his feet was a secondary. So obviously it might it's it's desirable if you can do both, but perhaps not essential. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be really interesting to see what Mike Williamson's first team is on Saturday. It's Acton Stanley, of course, which we'll get on to right now. So, Joe, obviously we've heard from the main man about Mike Williamson, his time at Yates, said what to expect at MK. Obviously, Accrington is his first game in charge. Um, obviously, two teams we played last season, of course, in League One. Um, a team that we usually have a pretty good game against, to be fair. They're quite, a, from previous squads, they're quite a decent team. Give us a bit of a breakdown as to what to expect from Aki uh, this season on, and on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, welcome to the Football League, Mike Williamson. Um it's a baptism of fire, if uh, if anything, uh, Accrington away. Um, and of course, they are still managed by John Coleman. And yes, I predict that Sean Wally will, of course, score in the 87th minute for us to lose. <laughs> um, do you need anything else, Liam? Or is that, that should be... No, perfect, mate. One no last happy days. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think Accrington are what you'd expect. They're solid. They're strong. They're quite youthful as well with the dash of experience put in there as well. And I think especially at home, you know, they've um, they've played seven games at home, winning four of them. Uh, but they have conceded 10 goals in those seven games. So, you know, they're not totally sort of invincible, but that was, you know, stop, that was to Stockport and Mansfield, who, I mean, Liam, I don't know about you, but I think I'd go as far as to say that them and Notts County are the best three teams in the league. Oh, absolutely. And Mansfield are really impressive at the moment. Um, I mean, Mansfield, this is Mansfield who went and scored four goals at, at, at a Notts County team. And we, we've we seen firsthand how good they, they can be. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you want to be playing these games. Last season, we had that bit of quality. And I think, who knows, just what a bit of positive energy and just, a, and I hate, hate, hate this because it, I believe, <laughs> don't believe in it. But you know what I'm going to say, don't you? The new manager bounce. <laughs> I don't think it exists, but just in terms of just a new attitude from some of the players, you know, we've barely, you know, at the start of the season when we were playing well, Lecco was at the forefront of that and we've not really seen him at all in the last sort of five to six games since crew away, really. Yeah. Um, you know, if we can get a tune out of him, again, we know he can be one of the best players in the league. But as we said, I think after the Wrexham game, it's about how consistent he can be, and when he's on it, oh yeah, look at look, we're up up there in the table, and when he's not, yeah, we're back down again. So, huh. I think I think um, you know, I I just hope that the players just walk out, puff their chests out a little bit, and say, take some ownership of the situation because I think it's fair to say that they've been a bit bollockless for the last eight games, and I, I think you know they've let the manager they've let the manager down, um, resulting in him having to leave. So I think it's about time that some of those players. You know, just just kind of take a bit of ownership. Yeah, and, and listen, action not going to be a pushover team at all, as we know from John Coleman's team. 
very focused on set pieces, um, direct speed. And they've been taking on quite nice this season, to be fair. You know, ninth in the table, not really conceding that many goals. They're, they're actually, uh, actually numbers for four and against lining up quite nicely. They'll let us have the ball for quite a lot. So it'll very much be the case of what we were going to maybe anticipate from an Alexander team from Accrington versus our new style. So two quite contrasting styles, see how we get on. But yeah, I think, I think that's Joe, Joe's perfectly right. And the main thing to take from this is that try and enjoy what we're watching a bit more. Um, actually have a good time. Obviously, Accrington's a fantastic away day. Um, anyway, let alone with the football. The, the cheap points and the away end help. So yeah, bar, yeah. I think well, the bar's open for the majority of the game. So if it isn't good, then we can just hop around the back of the stand <laughs> and sort it. And that's what I mean. Like it could be a difficult watch early on. Don't get me wrong. Like Mike Williamson's not a miracle worker. Um, well, hope, well, maybe he is. Who knows? We don't know yet. But you like to think he's not a change. The angel of the knows. north. <laughs> well, there you that's go. A, that's a gate said, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we're pretty close. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think you'd like. I think Axe's weaknesses. If 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 Williamson can get them going in the first couple of days of training, in terms of playing through the lines, getting the likes of Payne and Ashley Lecco on the ball and try and make things happen, if he can get it done, it could be a really really good away day for for us, and we can get three points here. Um, but again, it's just how quickly Williamson can do that, and yeah, who knows? It'll be an interesting away day. Um, yeah, obviously it's a long, it's a long trip. We've done it quite a few times over the past recent seasons, and but it's a good one, and I'm sure all all the guys heading up will, will enjoy it, guys and girls, and um, yeah, enjoy yourselves. So we can say really on that front. Um, I was really forward to watching Mike Williamson's MK Don side for the first time on Saturday. If you can head up, please do. It'll be a great day out, and um, please bring back the three points because we're needing badly. And until then, come on, Don's. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.